Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. We are back. Back again. We are back. Yes. John is back. Tell a friend. I am. Amazing. Um, well, happy New Year's. From our friends over at Manscaped, the ball has officially dropped. That doesn't mean that you have to drop the ball on your balls it's time to bring sexy back in 2022 and step up your game with manscapes performance package 4.0 join the 4 million men worldwide who trust manscaped to help them ring in the new year with the right tools for the job go to manscaped.com and use the code peakspeak for 20 percent off and free shipping it's a new year new you and a new you means no pubes it's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest parts of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code PEAKSPEAK at manscaped.com. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. And while you're on the internet buying yourself some fantastic crop preserver ball deodorant, head over to our friends at prismcoffee.com.au and buy yourself some delicious coffee using the code PeakSpeak. I have recently upgraded my uh, pour-over setup. Sim bought me a antique brass gooseneck kettle that's actually like i don't use it to boil the water i just pour boiling water into it but then having a fancy little gooseneck kettle i always thought was a dumb idea man amazing game changer for like being really precise about how you make pour overs does it make any difference to the taste i'm not sure it does i'm i'm sure people with better taste buds than i would tell you it does but i just i just feel fancy (laughs) I've always wondered the science of the the gooseneck thing. Is that what it's about? It's about more even it's, water distribution. Yeah, it's just easier to pour. So instead <clears throat> of it like slopping out of a big open necked kettle, you mm. can be like. So the way I do the pour over is like uh, you do like about fifty grams of water over the top to like wet mm. everything, and then you do one pour and then a second pour. So that rather than that first like fifty grams of water being slopped in and agitating everything and like unevenly distributing it you can kind of like draw some nice little circles and get it all evenly wet um but yeah it's good and mainly looks good on instagram exactly uh we all know that i mostly exist through the highlights window that is my instagram account so Mm -hmm. if in doubt do things that make your instagram account look good if you guys aren't aware as well prism pretty frequently changes up the flavors on offer and they're always fantastic so yeah yeah i'm actually in talks with um john the guy that owns it who's training at my gym again and i've bullied him into being my training partner in the mornings uh which has been good um but i was talking to him about uh teaming up and doing like a 
collaboration roast and like going out there and playing with tastings and doing that sort of stuff so that'll be pretty nice. cool i think it's awesome point. Like yeah, because well, a, a belly gym, a belly strength. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what it'll look like and how much of it I actually end up doing, other than spruiking the shit out of it when it's, it goes on sale. But I'm excited to just like learn more about the process because I've never really done any of the like cupping and tasting stuff that is such an integral part of what they do. So I'm excited to learn a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Not because it, it'll change anything I do, just because I find it interesting. You know, I like learning. That's the, the cool thing. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Like back in the day, we used to sell um, PTC branded protein. I, I don't yeah. think you had started when we were doing big group orders between the PTCs. and. Yeah, um, I think <coughs> when I started, it was all still going through bulk nutrients. Yeah, so before that, we had our own PTC branded stuff. And, it, it, you know, I actually revisited... Um, uh, zero branded uh, supplements not too long ago just to, to look at you know the, the side arm of business and it's weird going into like a taste testing scenario and um, not being like this tastes good therefore it'll sell like it's like yeah this tastes good to me but I have very specific tastes it, it must be very hard at a at a huge level to determine what's going to be good for most people what most people are going to enjoy you know, like I love Dr. Pepper, I love Cherry Coke and Australians tend to think there's some like cough syrup in Australia that people yeah, associate yeah. the flavor with. I've, I didn't grow up in Australia, so I'd, I'd never experienced that cough syrup. So to me, cherry stuff tastes like heaven. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Australians have this really anti cherry Dr. Pepper sort of vendetta and it pains me because now I have to go to specialty stores and spend lots of dollars on specialty <laughs> drinks. Yeah, I think... Um that's one of the things that makes it interesting from my point of view is like the attempt like for me at least as an amateur is trying to taste the differences because like the prison boys put tasting notes like on all of the mm. bags so you get a, an idea of what you should be looking for um which is cool and now i'm having been like into coffee for a while i kind of know what i like in a coffee and so i can hunt down the ones that i like mm. um but uh yeah i haven't done it on the other end of the spectrum uh, but i think that's basically what they're doing right is they're they're finding coffees that they like and roasting them in a way that makes them taste good to them and then you just either sell it or you don't right and i think the specialty coffee industry has enough sort of niches in different aspects to be able to get a foothold in some areas mm. whereas with like protein it's so fucking saturated <coughs> that it's a totally different ball game you know mm. i'm gonna have this annoying cough the whole the whole time i'm in here you got I've, a vid well i'm pretty sure i got the spicy cough over christmas uh and i'm one of these people that's like i'm pretty sure i had it but i didn't actually get a test i don't really know <laughs> um but it's no coincidence that i had all the symptoms and uh i had been in a hot spot and uh yeah i i don't know anyway this cough has sort of lingered around and the air conditioning that i'm sitting in seems to exacerbate it times yeah, 10 well, so, it just so, dries the air out right so, so i've i've had it serviced yesterday and cleaned and i'm hoping that makes a difference because i've been coughing like crazy for like only when i come here over the weekend cough disappears when i come back to the gym sit in the aircon flares up again do you sit in the aircon over the weekend <laughs> at home yeah but I tried to avoid it last weekend and it went away like straight away. Yeah, cause, well, because the way aircon works is it dries the air out, right? It yes. dehumidifies it. So that probably plays a role in aggravating respiratory issues. Well, I'd rather 
cough and be comfortable then 100 like and, and queensland is horrible all... at the moment yeah dude it's muggy as fuck here and i'm not in queensland so <clears throat> i don't know how you deal with it yeah i would shoot myself pretty quickly in humidity like that all the time what's the I, I know no one wants to listen to everyone talk about covid but that's all there is to talk about these days what what's the situation in canberra is is everyone getting it like we've had yeah it's, lots it of seems to cancel be... lots of gym members get it lots of staff get it we're like just i think hitting that precipice now where like we had our first confirmed exposure on the weekend uh which you know i took a test on sunday and was fine but um i think i've had a couple of people already have had it and come back uh and then there's a couple more who have got it or are about to get it because they've got a household contact or whatever this week so Mm. I think we're like right at that point where it seems to just be going a bit nuts which is sucks because we've got a fucking novice comp in two weeks or three weeks no 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 that's the best this is my opinion have covid parties <laughs> get everyone infected get it out of the way then no more issues for six months just few like people die that, that's a risk i'm willing to take i'd just like to clarify that i am not on the tombro school of medicine and i refuse to be associated with what he's perceiving as medical advice anyway which is interesting because uh, i'm the one with a public health degree but whatever yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that that shows you how much the traditional university system means, Thomas. It's all this mainstream bullshit that you need to get away from. For clarification, to... I'm mostly, mostly being facetious. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we're, so we've got like 50 people, 55 people booked in for this novice comp in a couple of weeks. So yeah, that's going to be a bit of a pain in the ass. Basically, <clears throat> it just means we have to run it like without spectators, which kind of sucks for a novice comp because you lose some of the aspect of it being a really fun day. Uh, and then we'll split it into two sessions and do like an AM and a PM session so that it's all as uh, as sort of minimized as we can be. But I just mm. don't want to fucking cancel another comp. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sick of postponing competitions. Pain the ass. All right, we better give the people what they want. The 200,000 downloads speak to us wanting... A- Wow, got a that, lot of was downloads really, and that was really bad, man. Yeah, that was. was like, we've had nearly 200,000 downloads and that might be one of the worst ones. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we better talk about what we're supposed to talk about. Yes. Look, uh, I honestly, I thought you were going to get a nice little segue out of me talking about learning things about coffee, but you uh, missed that one entirely. Um, I'm, so, I'm rusty. I'm rusty. Yeah, clearly, clearly. Mm. But anyway, you're, you're <clears> in charge of to, uh, talking to us about the topic because it was your idea. Yeah, I've been thinking and talking quite a lot uh with various people whether it's lifters or coaches um or just in my head i do that a lot oh Uh, man same (laughs) (laughs) about like this this idea of transferability of skills um and you know it's become it's become more ubiquitous with the whole covid situation changing uh a lot for a lot of people you know changing their sports changing their hobbies changing their work lives Um, And it's easy to catastrophize when you're in a situation where what once was a one of the cornerstones of what you do with your time or with your life uh, all of a sudden has a a massive spanner thrown in the works and, you know, a way to um, a way to progress from that point is to recognize the skills that you have that allowed you to do what you've been able to do and start to question, okay, what can I do with the skill set that I have to continue to move forward? Like it's a it's a very um, common practice in in business where you know the the business world or people who are investors or whatever it's a little bit more volatile and so if something doesn't work out it's like okay I've got this this 
skill set of sales of marketing of whatever it is how can i find another niche and just apply it to that it's taking this principle-based approach and, and learning to apply it wherever you go and i think you know the the listenership here is is lifters and we do so much in lifting that is so inherently positive that is so skill driven uh, that we don't realize how good we are at doing this like we don't realize the power of what's up here in our brains and it's like you know you don't have to bat an eyelid uh, at getting enough sleep at prioritizing nutrition at avoiding alcohol at eating right at training several times a week at failing reps at working on technique all this stuff that you don't think about is a skill set is a way of like putting in work and putting in time and effort and when that's stripped away from you you know you can't train all the gyms are shut how can you take that skill set and apply it to another hobby how can you take that skill set and apply it to a business or such like and such forth that's what i've been thinking about yeah man i think i mean i've <clears throat> i've said it for a long time and it's it's a big part of why i do what i do almost all but not all a very significant portion of the best lessons I've learned in my life about who I am, how I interact with the environment around me, how I interact with people, what scenarios I do best in, what scenarios I don't do well in. Uh, all those lessons have been rooted in physical performance in some aspect or another. Um, I've played sport my whole life and it's been such a significant part of what I've done that it's the fallback mechanism for like, you know, it's my safety net. Like I, I know now that when I'm unhappy and when I'm not like, if I'm particularly anxious or something like that, that like training's the answer, what that training looks like has changed drastically over the last 10 years, but it's always been some physical performance that's become the like tool that's helped me open up whatever's coming next. And now like you said sitting through like sitting through the second lockdown and like having to genuinely think about whether i wanted to keep doing this whether i wanted to be in a position where this was something i was happy to continue pushing towards um forced me to think a lot about that like you know i've often joked i had this conversation with jamie at strength culture when i was in melbourne like i don't have any fucking skills <laughs> you know i'm good at what i do but it's such an incredibly niche thing and you're right in that when you look at it from a bigger picture standpoint there are a lot of things that I can do on a level that, you know, some norm, normal, quote unquote, person might not have the capacity for it or see as some extra extraordinary skill. And I think for me, being able to use training as a as a, a tool to help people recognize how strong and determined they can be in, in areas of their life has been one of the more fascinating aspects of it for me is, is being able to... Um, to let people see what they can be and what they can do outside of the gym, I think is a far more important lesson than anything you learn actually with a barbell in your hands. And I think the the most successful people, like you said, in both lifting and in business are the ones that can take those lessons and transfer them into any aspect of their life, be it physical or otherwise. Yeah, and I mean, like we're so we're so blissfully unaware of the the work that we've put in sometimes yeah. because because the motivation for the goal is so high um it doesn't it doesn't feel like work you know like no. you know the, the motivation to keep my te teeth healthy is not at the forefront of my mind but it's an underlying part of overall health and so brushing my teeth which is seemingly a chore if you look at it is not a chore it's just what you do yeah. um you know in the same context you meal prep every week you could just go out and buy stuff you eat convenience foods why not well 
you're like, well, well, this is important to me because it's about my performance. And so the actual act of cooking the meals might not be therapeutic or enjoyable. The food not, might not be as tasty as other food, but you're willing to go through that for the sake of the outcome. And you've done this your whole life in everything. Like uh, the analogies I always refer to are things like learning to walk. You don't remember that, but you're good at getting up and falling over and getting up and falling over. Like you're more attuned to this because you've got a kid, right? You've watched it happen recently. Yeah, man. It's fucking fascinating. Le learning to ride a bike, learning to use a mobile phone. We didn't just start with mobile phones. At some point, we had to hold this thing and be like, what the fuck do we do with this? When we switch I'm from buttons to touchscreens, we had to learn how to do it. And pretty sure my three-year-old does it better than my mother. <laughs> like we're good at just picking things up that have an outcome that we are interested in and then just putting in the work no matter what. If we can reverse engineer that, look at that skill set and be like, how can I turn an outcome that seems negative or seems boring into something positive so I can have that intrinsic motivation to move forward towards it. And we can take the skills that we already have, like everyone already has this. If you can operate your phone well enough to find this podcast and listen to it, you have a skill set uh, that can bode well for you in whatever you choose to do. Uh, it's just finding that intrinsic motivation by making the outcome important to you. Yep, I completely agree. I think um, when it comes to that, like one of the most o sort of overarching skills that I think everyone who does this for long enough gets is that ability, like you said, to keep pushing forward and to endure struggle and toughness and, and real real obstacles to a uh an outcome that you're pursuing in a way that doesn't see them as obstacles as much as i don't like the idea of quoting people like ryan holiday because it gets a bit bullshitty when you start flopping about with stoic quotes sometimes because like we're talking on a podcast in air-conditioned rooms in western civilization it's not really that stoic but anyway uh, his idea of obstacle is the way he's got a really good book called the obstacle is the way and that that lesson that you learn through something like training if you're willing and open to learning it and that's i think the caveat to this whole discussion is that some people have these skills and don't recognize it some people don't actually have these skills because they haven't <clears throat> embraced the idea of being open to learning them and being driven enough to let the le those lessons come they just kind of keep doing it out of a sense of obligation or, or something like that mm -hmm. um but i think being able to endure hard times through the training performance whether it's you know you get injured or time away from training like you want because of work or life stress like all of these things that you get very good at being able to just make it work and keep moving forward even if it is only one small step at a, at a time. I think that's been the the recurring theme, at least in my head over the last couple of years, has been that idea of like, just keep going, just put one foot in front of the other and keep going. And especially having pursued a bunch of endurance stuff, like I've really become a lot more in tune with that idea of stubbornly putting my head down and continuing to march forward, even if that pace slows dramatically and occasionally I take a backward step. I think that the power in recognizing your ability to to just endure and be able to continue going is is something that doesn't get talked about enough mm. yeah it's funny you keep referencing or you keep using the word endure um have you heard of the book endure i've it's heard of it you haven't it. read it though yeah. you love it i'm <clears throat> i'm towards the end of it now but it's like in in so many ways i used to um 
make a little bit of a comparison or analogy between endurance stuff and what we do in the gym in terms of like you get to the last rep and you don't want to do another rep and you know sometimes pushing through that and going that extra mile is in and making that comparison to being an endurance race and you know your body telling you to stop and your brain telling you to keep going um, but it's nothing like that Dude, <laughs> when it's you, nothing when you like look at that. the science of endurance sports like the because the body will keep going far longer than the brain will um Dude, and I, when you're lifting I, weights you never reach that point of fatigue no, it's no, just no. too heavy you can't create yeah. the stimulus to reach that point of fatigue it's been for me it's been such <laughs> a fascinating exploration of divergent concepts like you said i i had always considered them fairly similar and then i did the endurance thing and especially when i did that really long ride like that that was 13 hours or something right mm. like and i think i've spoken about this before like i could have kept going like physically there was enough there that if i really like if someone was like oh, i'll pay you a hundred dollars to do another 12 kilometers like i probably could have done that mm. if i'd wanted it bad enough at that point i didn't want it anymore i was done I like checked out mentally. I was ready for the beer and the sitting on the couch and the eating and the sleeping. But that's one of the first times in my life I've ever been at that failure point where it was truly like, no, no, I am quitting. Like I am finished mm. as opposed to I tried and I couldn't. Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting area, man. And for me, like now I'm doing a bit of running, which is still sounds and feels very odd to come out of my mouth um but it's a thing that i'm doing i have a running day in my training week now which is odd um and will continue to be odd for some time but for me it's it's been interesting exploring now the endurance thing on a different scale yeah. because it's such a different aspect of it like i have an engine now but my legs and feet can't keep up with it so i'm at this point where like i can mentally keep running but physically I can't. So it's almost like that crossover point. And I'm sure in a few more weeks of running more consistently, I'll get to a point where I can just keep running. And then it's about when do I quit mentally? Um, but it is a fascinating avenue of performance to explore if you've never been exposed to it like I have. Because even the the endurance stuff I did playing rugby and things like that, it was never just keep going endurance. It was interval endurance, right? Like 80 yeah. minutes of rugby with sprints and rests and, and things like that. So <coughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. I'm, I'm enjoying exploring new aspects of my personality and my ability to do things. And it's open new avenues to being able to endure things in a way that I couldn't before mm. in life, right? Mm. Like I'm just better at being able to like take a breath and keep going and, and do those sort of things. So yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of really incredible power in pursuing something. It doesn't even have to be fucking powerlifting. It can be anything. But I, like for me, it's about pursuing some aspect of performance physically is probably one of the best ways you can learn about who you are and what you're made of and how you can be better, not just physically, but in every other aspect of life. Mm. I, I said something a little bit earlier that's, that's kind of ambiguous, which is like, you know, you have to find... Um, <clears throat> or create that objective that's that's going to drive that work to happen organically or intrinsically. And the, the real question is, like, how the fuck do you do that? Like, you, you can't just flip a switch and say, oh, no, actually, this is the goal. Oh, no, I can't train anymore. I'm going to put this into a business because it's just you, you can't just make that happen. You know, something has to drive that. And I think what you were talking about in terms of learning the process, learning the process makes you appreciate the process. And if you learn and appreciate the process, you realize how not fun it is like how not rewarding and not fun it is like the outcome is really fun and really rewarding 
But the actual pro, like even training, yeah, training's fun, but we, we find it fun because we know the outcome. Mm. Like if we had never trained before and we're like, let's take you through a powerlifting session, most people are going to be like, why? Like, why am I lifting metal discs attached to metal bars? Like, this is not fun. Um, we find it fun because we've got that that outcome. And I think if you can um, learn more about the reality of what the process is, it helps you appreciate the, oh, sorry, yeah, learn more about what's involved in the process. It appreciates the outcome even more and in turn, you know, creates a little bit more intrinsic motivation for the process. So in English, like I think of my own transition in the last two years from being independent with one gym and no staff or one part-time staff member to where I am now with several gyms and several staff and how my outcome has had to shift so much from stuff that revolved around what can the business do for me to what's my role in the business and yeah. how can I uh, help this business achieve what the business's goal is. Because well, it's now bigger than you, right? Yeah. And so yeah. like if I didn't have that outcome shift, I wouldn't appreciate the processes that I need to be involved in because a lot of the process that I'm, I have to be involved in now aren't the stuff that really drove me to this point. The stuff that drove me to this point is coaching, is being on the gym floor with people, is meeting new people, is going to comps. Now that is so far removed from what my actual role is and my role revolves around like having meetings with people, negotiating spaces, writing contracts, like stuff that is not fun in any way, shape or form. But the outcome of providing more jobs, of helping more people, that to me is super exciting. And so yeah. it like drives the process and helps me appreciate that the boring work has its time and its place and needs to be done. Yeah, man. And I think especially in the business realm, it's really interesting to look at the people in our space who have done really well are almost, it's almost always built off some aspect of their own performance, right? And I think especially in the fitness space, if you don't know how amazing that outcome can feel, then you can never really sell it in the way with the conviction that people like you and I can sell it, right? Mm. Like I can sell you on a powerlifting competition because I fucking stood on that platform after months and months of hard work and the joy and relief that comes from hitting that number that you've had cooking in your head for a year. I like, I, that shit still gives me goosebumps. Mm. And so I can sell that in a way that's incredibly authentic and really meaningful because I've experienced it and because I've been there and, and had that feeling. And now I look at it from a, a less specific point of view in that like I know how much amazing stuff training physically has brought to my life both directly and indirectly. And so now a big part of what I do for a living is convincing people that that's the case, right? Like I get my... Uh, market tends to be a little bit less intermediate advanced powerlifters like you guys get and i get more like everyday people there's certainly a lot more of that sort of early in the stage thing in the crowd that i attract and i'm okay with that because i fucking love that i love seeing people discover that and discover how much cooler life can be when you've got some aspect of performance physically that whether you like care to talk to your friends about it or not just the knowledge of like having that power and you know mm. being able to do that thing is is just a cool little thing to have in your head and then being able to apply that elsewhere is the thing that takes a little bit more work i think in in recognizing these skills and these aspects of your own performance that do really well mm -hmm. you know, like as an example for me i like i know i'm a competitor like i am and i'm an athlete even in aspects of life that are not athletic 
because I've spent my whole fucking life preparing for like a day or a competition or a game. And so I know that when, regardless of what it is, when the pressure's on, I know I do well. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I'm probably better when there is pressure than I am when there's no pressure because I have a tendency to be fucking lazy. Um, and so my default is like a fat, lazy mess. But as soon as there's any aspect of pressure, be, be it self-imposed or otherwise, I know I'm going to do much better and, and I can push forward and keep going like that. So I think, um, yeah, being able to be open to learning these lessons is actually the more important aspect of this conversation rather than identifying them individually yourself. I think most people have to recognize that aspects of themselves in training that they're good at and not good at and be able to work on both ends of that spectrum. Because if you just double down on all of your strengths, then at some point they're not going to be strengths anymore. For sure. They, they're going to be the thing holding you back. It's why coaches like you are such a gem because you know you can have these conversations with lifters that extend far beyond what you're doing in the gym and guide them to find things in their life where they can, you know, intrinsically join those dots. Because mm. it's easy if we can sit here and say like, oh, look at you, you learned how to walk, or look at you, you've been training for five years. Now just look at what you do in your job. It's the same thing, unless you feel that it's yeah. it's not the same thing. You'll find no. justifications as to why it's not. So, like a a good coach in this regard is going to help direct your thoughts into looking for it in other aspects of your life because it might be in aspects of your life that you don't even realize uh you work super hard on and you don't realize how much work you've done for years and years and years on this particular thing like relating to the workplace is fucking easy because yeah that's where we spend most of our time for most adults right yeah uh, but there's so many other things that we do in our life that we've just been crafting a skill set and falling over again and again and again just getting back up and just fucking doing it um and so learning to yeah learning to find that intrinsically is is something you can be guided to but you have to teach yourself like you have to find ultimately where that applies in your own life and you know like i said people like you that are good at pointing people in that direction and changing guiding people to think differently is um is an absolute gem man and i i literally just had this conversation this afternoon talking to a friend of mine i went and had lunch with who owns a gym here in canberra and um we were talking about uh you know like i the story i told was the one i've told a lot uh about early in the ptc days i distinctly remember uh coming home from the gym and saying to sim like i'd i'd met this person that was like a bit odd a bit a bit weird but like seemed okay and you know would probably be fine and she fucking stopped dead and turned around and was like you're all fucking weird i was like oh yeah that's right we are all fucking weird and since that moment like genuinely since that moment i've accepted the fact that what i attract is a group full of like a fucking weird group of people and i love it like i love that we are this completely eclectic mix of people from all aspects of life in all levels of performance and all shapes and sizes the thing for me that like continues to light my fire is encouraging people to just like be them like i fucking love standing next to someone in a training session while they just fucking froth on warhammer or whatever it is because i'm like inquisitive enough just to ask enough questions to get people's eyes to light up like that Mm. i fucking love those conversations because increasingly as I get older, I recognize that the thing I enjoy most in people is passion and like sure. a, a zeal for like, fuck yeah, that thing lights my fire. And maybe that thing's training and maybe that thing's 
painting Warhammer or maybe it's playing with your train set or maybe it's going outside and climbing mountains. Like, I don't care what it is. I care that you have something that you your fucking eyes light up and it makes the hair on your skin stand up. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of people through training can find aspects of their life that do that for them that aren't necessarily training. Mm-hmm. I've had a conversation recently with a, a person who used to be a member who is, is no longer who said words to that effect was like, you made me recognize things in my life that I didn't recognize and I'm a better person for it. And as far as I'm concerned, that's so much better than any fucking PR you'll ever hit on the platform. Like I want that more than I ever want some world record holding power lifter because Mm. that's the shit that really lights my fire. For sure. For sure. And passion is a difficult thing sometimes because when you've been super passionate about something for long enough, you kind of become numb to the fact that you're so passionate about it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I hate to keep referring to myself in this episode. I try not to as much as I can, but I think about myself with lifting. I visualize lifting pretty much all day, every day. (laughs) It's all I think about. I'm constantly thinking about setting up for a squat or training, whatever it is, or thinking about the session to come. But I I don't always uh, come overly, uh, come across as overly passionate about lifting, but I really am like it. My, my body has been saying no for a long time to lifting weights and yet <laughs> here I am most of the time <laughs> <laughs> here I am five days a week like you can't yeah. pull me away from it because I'm not at that point where I'm ready to move that passion to something else yet like and so when you have been doing something for a very 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 long time um, you know you can be numb to how passionate you are about it. you see this in in so many aspects with so many people and again a good coach is going to help people Re- reignite that passion refine it or at least guide you to be intrinsic as to what am i passionate about or why have i lost this um this uh rigor for whatever passions that i have um and if you can reignite that life becomes a lot more fun it's like you say you know eyes light up hair stands up on the back of your neck it's it's fucking cool yeah man and i think one of the things and one of the reasons i've i've lent into the idea of being weird and increasingly am like going further and further down this road of just being unashamedly who I am, right? Like that's that, cause that for me is actually the important thing. Like I like owning the tag weird because it helps promote the idea that there's no shame in being weird. And I think there are a lot of people, especially people who seem to gravitate towards things like powerlifting. Like my girlfriend speaks the truth when she says we're all a bit fucking weird. <laughs> And like, I know I see that from both an external point of view and an internal point of view. Like you've got to be a little bit weird to pursue something like powerlifting. And what that generally means, what it used to mean when we first started powerlifting, it used to mean that you were probably a bikey and you had a lot of tattoos and there were some other nefarious activities involved in your life, right? And so powerlifting gyms were like grungy garages with heavy metal and lots of fights and mostly dudes and mm-hmm. now what powerlifting has morphed into is that fucking Batuta Advocate article from a couple of months ago about the local Warhammer nerd who discovered powerlifting like, <laughs> powerlifting still has an element of like bikies and nefarious people in it but it also has an even bigger element of people who are into nerd stuff like that which I am not into but am totally on board with being into um, I'm into it for the record I know because you're a filthy nerd Um, and that's okay I love you anyway Um, but I think it's it's that idea of being it being socially acceptable to be weird about something like lifting 
but less socially acceptable to be weird about something like Warhammer. And so for me, it's it's about using this as a vehicle for accepting the fact that you can just be into whatever the fuck you want. And if you stop caring about what other people think, and one of the best ways to do that is to do something that is exclusively for you, which training really is. Because mm. even if you love the clout you get on Instagram, it's really the only person benefiting from it is you. For sure. And so by unashamedly pursuing something that has no benefit to anyone, direct benefit to anyone other than yourself, I think it gives you the freedom to then be able to lean into the aspects of your personality that other people might find a bit odd, but that make you happy. Hmm. And I think, yeah, that's like, that's, I think going to continue to be a significant part of the message that I'm trying to spread in what I do because life's too short not to be you. It's so cool that we get to facilitate that and watch Fuck it. Fuck yeah, dude. Like, it's my favorite thing. Uh, so, I, it, it never ceases to amaze me or surprise me when, when someone walks in, does a session, and you're like, this gym, it, it, like the kind of person that you appear to be, this gym probably isn't for you. And yeah. then you find that inner weirdness in that person and they just fall into it and they fucking love it. And like in the outside world, appearance-wise, you'd never think this person is a powerlifter. And yeah. then they come to the gym and it's just fucking home for them. It's yeah, like man. to be able to facilitate that at, at Burley or at Zero or, at, you know, numerous gyms like this, it, it's an absolute blessing. If you're a gym owner, you should be thanking your lucky stars every day because it's so, so, so good. And man. maybe I feel that so much because that was me. You know, that yeah. the first time I worked, walked into the first powerlifting gym I ever went to was Iron Underground in Brisbane. And it oh, was yeah. like absolute heaven and then i went to ptc brisbane a bunch of times and i was like how do i rearrange my entire life to be able to come here and train uh and just before i did that i was like oh i'll open a gym yeah yeah <laughs> man. it's um that's it right like i think <laughs> those of us that do this for life those of us that are in it for the long run do it because w all we're trying to do is help everyone experience what we've experienced mm. And like I've said a bunch of times already, every every good lesson I've learned in my life has come through some aspect of pursuing physical performance. And if that person that walks through the door is here for six weeks or six years, I don't care as long as they walk away having found some aspect out of it that is an overwhelming positive that they can take away into the rest of their life. If they tick that box, I'm happy and I'll continue to be happy for a very long time. I really didn't think that this episode would come to this point. Like, a, it's just this episode's lit up my day. I feel so stoked. Excellent. And to think we were sitting here thinking about having a topic and then deciding not to do it because we couldn't be bothered thinking about a topic. <laughs> All right. There you well, go. let's leave it on a high note. Good idea. Rate us five stars. Tell your friends. Put us on Instagram. Get us to 200K. We're almost there. Yes. Love you. Goodbye. Bye.